Hey, how you doing? Welcome back. Number eight, Training Log Podcast. How we doing? I'm Lucas. This is Noah. Um, I, I would try to replicate that, but I have no idea what that is. Uh, yeah, I was trying to change it up a bit. Did you like it? I didn't really like it. It was something. It was sure <laughs> something. I, sh- oh, I should have made it Boston because, you know, we went to Boston, right? That's going to be the first thing we talk about. Um, we do have a guest coming on today. His name is Jared Smith. He runs for Brockport. Awesome interview we had with him. Gets into the real nitty-gritty details of training, everything like that, everything we want on a podcast called The Training Log Podcast. But before that, before we get into it, we are going to touch on the fact that we raced this past weekend at Boston University, our first time. In Boston. In Boston. I didn't you know, do it right. I'm really bad at accents. Yeah, you are. <laughs> my bad. Um, Thanks for reaffirming. No, no, no. <laughs> I am. No, no, it's true. That's my bad. Um, so, you can't park your car in Harvard Yard. Yeah. Cool. I, I, I'm not even going to try. Yeah, you don't have to I try. Should've. It's okay. We went to Boston. We did. And we raced at the famous BU track. The magic is real. It's insane. It really is insane how awesome that track is. It's little trampolines. I don't know if you feel the same way. It's literal trampolines. That's all I have to say in the matter. Um, even just the little pitter-patter of steps I had on it to begin with. Oh, my God. It was insane. It really was insane. Yeah, it's a magical track. It really is. So we raced the mile, both of us. Um, I'm very happy with my result. Big old mile PB, 434. Uh, dreams came true at the BU track. Uh, how about you? Uh, I ran 443. Um which kind of equates roughly to like my 1600 PR, um, which right now, I mean, I wish I ran faster, but we'll take it. Yeah, we'll take it. Also, the experience there was insane. We saw all these pros and everything. Um, got a picture with Leo Young. Yeah, the fanboying was real. Fanboying was <laughs> insane. Um, I saw the Coffee Club boys for the first time in person. I couldn't even, I like locked up. We didn't get to talk to that many people because I'll be yeah it was nerve wracking it really was and it's a business trip it's a business trip we're on the same level as them yes on athletics club us um <laughs> <laughs> for audio only listeners I put them way below us actually yeah yeah I, I said the OAC is much we worse. care more yeah we, we have we the care heart so much more we started a podcast let's see let's see them start a pod yeah I don't think they have I don't a podcast. think they have one no. yeah completely it's not like um, so then we <laughs> ran a DMR the next day and it went for all intensive purposes. I'd say it went pretty well, right? Yeah. We broke 11. We broke 11. Hey, it, it had us being the second to last team in the whole thing. But there was like Indiana in there. Yeah. You know? Florida state so, one yeah. and like the new collegiate number two. Yeah. So, so we did pretty good. We did pretty well. <laughs> if I do say so myself, that'd be my high school school record. Actually, tie my high school school record. Yeah, I don't know if we ever ran a DMR, like, yeah. ever. So, look at that. Um, I ran a 438 on the 1600 leg, which good. I mean, my legs were pretty sore after coming off of the mile the day before. Noah, you're in the 800. Yeah, I ran 207 flat, which coming off the mile. Um, and with, like, how I was feeling in my legs, I was like, eh, we'll take it. And then again, you always have to think of, we are in the middle of just a solid, solid training block. Yeah, yeah we have races uh, on these weekends, but really, we're just working through everything, especially our freshman year. So, regardless if you have a good week, average week, even honestly a bad week, I'm really happy with where we're at right now. 
Um, I agree. So, with that being said, and that recap out of the way, in just under four minutes and 30 seconds, mind you, we can get on to our interview. Yeah, and last um, thing that I want to say is, sorry that I sound weird. I might be coming off a little bit of a sickness. So, you might have to deal with that <laughs> in the interview. But but it's fine. But it's fine. I'm alive. I'm here. You are so. alive. <laughs> you, are, you are sitting here right yes. now. So, yeah, uh, our interview with Jared Smith, Brockport runner, uh, nice guy. Had a very good time with him. Uh, enjoy this interview because I know we did. Uh, yeah, so let's get right into the Jared Smith interview. All right, we have Jared Smith here with us, runner for Brockport State. Jared, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, uh, thank you again. Um, just to open up, we always want to ask, like, what do you do? Did you run today, and how was that? Uh, I did run this morning. Uh, I ran for about thirty minutes with the guys. Very beautiful morning. I'm sure all of uh, sure all of New York's kind of getting some of that right now. So it was a good run. felt felt pretty nice. felt relaxed. So yeah, the sun good. is out. Like sun was finally out again. I saw. I woke up yesterday and I saw the sun and I'm like, oh my god! Like I text my mom and I was like, I haven't seen the sun in a month. That's yeah. a beautiful day. Yeah, it's really nice out. Yeah. Um, and plus it's been like so depressing with like the gloom and like clouds all the time just to run in like blue sky again for the first time today. We had a uh, long run today, although Noah has been a bit sick, so he didn't really long run, but, um, yeah. three, three no, miles was my long run. Uh, it, it was really <laughs> nice. Nice. I'm, I'm going to do a double today later, but I don't know if the sun's going to be out for that or not, but yeah. just, just being able to, it's going to be like nice all week, I think. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Cool. So do you just want to take a second to introduce yourself, maybe your PBs or whatever, or where you're from, where you run for, and everything like that to just introduce yourself? Yeah, no problem. So um, my name is Jared. Uh, I'm a I'm a collegiate runner for Brockport, which is like probably three hours away from where these guys are, maybe like four hours. Um, I've been just, I've been running for like seven years. This will be my seventh year. Um, I've run 422 for the mile. Um, I've run 1448 for 5,000 meters. I've run 2442 for 8,000 meters. Um, there's, I, I think I, oh, I ran like 838 for 3k, um, two years ago. Um, but that's kind of, kind of the gist. Uh, I mean, uh, my hometown is Casanova, New York, uh, Laker pride, I suppose. And, uh, um, I, I think I, I think that's kind of the, the basics of stuff like that. I'm a junior. I'm a history major. Uh, I have a minor in coaching. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of the gist, I guess. Can you put some perspective as to where Casanova is in the grand scheme of New York? Because I have no idea. Yeah, not, yeah. You know, that's probably a good idea because not many people know what that is. So it's like uh, probably 30, 35 minutes southeast of Syracuse. Um, it's it's uh maybe i i don't know how to it's along like route 20 it's kind of a pretty scenic place it's it, we have a lake it's called Cas lake um it's it's kind of near syracuse area i guess cool yeah and you said your major was history and then you had a minor in coaching um with the history major is that like a teaching route or you want to be a coach or like what are you looking for um, yeah, I, I think both of those would kind of work out pretty well. I'm very like open to where things kind of end up going, but, um, 
yeah, that that's kind of the main thing. I'm I'm very fascinated by history. Not a fan of all the writing, but um, it's definitely something that some kind of teaching professor research thing down the line that'd be pretty cool. Cool. So let's get right into the running stuff. I want to start off with because uh, we just talked about where you're from, your high school days. Um, maybe what were your high school PRs going into college and was the plan always to run in college? Was it to go D3 or whatever it was? What was the plan coming out of high school? Okay, so let's think here. Uh, man, high school feels so long ago. <laughs> uh, coming out of high school, I ran um, two, uh, I ran full two miles, 9.38. I ran a steeple in like 9.48. Um, I... My mile was like 429. Um, I don't really remember. I honestly, I'm really bad at remembering high school PRs. I could tell you my high school teammates PRs. Couldn't tell you my PRs. Um, when I, I'd say when COVID kind of came around. So I was class in 2021. So my senior year, a lot of stuff was affected by COVID, but it was like the second half of my junior year, they got shut down. During that time, um, I kind of did, start making that like decision of like wow i don't have school so like i just can run all the time um really like fell in love with running a lot more i'd been running since i was a freshman um but i also wrestled and did musicals and stuff like that so i wasn't like all in um but then once covid came around i kind of decided that like you know what there's a lot of talent to be had or what did i even say uh i had a lot of, i i thought i was pretty talented so um thought it'd be kind of foolish of me not to keep going with it. So um, from there, I like really trained pretty good over COVID. Um, and like I had, uh, it was really, it was really during COVID. The plan was to run out of high school. I didn't really care where I ended up because I guess I was pretty good about being like, okay, if you, if you go D1, but if your coach is an idiot, then like, it doesn't matter. Like, you go D3 and if your coach is an idiot, it also doesn't matter. It's just, it's more, I was more thinking about like the environment in which to grow in. And like, if my coach, like, you know, if he was a smart guy or not, stuff like that. Yeah. So what factors other than the coach uh, is why you picked Brockport? Um, was the coach you have now coaching when you got there? Uh, yeah. So coach Davis, he was, his first year of coaching, I believe, was like 2018, and I visited in 2020. So he'd been there a while. Um, the thing that stuck out to me very well was that uh, – so my philosophy coming out of high school was the idea that, okay, I had kind of – like I had great coaches in high school. They didn't know all of like the X's and O's and the numbers of running, how to train someone, but they were just great people, some of the best people I ever could have been around. And they told me that like – um, you know, they gave me resources to teach a lot of like, so I could teach myself a lot of things. And um, one of the things they told me, though, is that like, no matter what you think, you know, out of high school, you still don't know enough. And um, so I like had to have that open mind. But I still wanted a coach that like, at least made a little bit of sense to me. Coach Davis easily was like, right off the bat. My favorite thing that stuck out with him was that like, okay, first of all, I want you to know why you're doing every workout that you're doing. And he looks for the minimum physiological stress that he's trying to, you know, like target and the least amount of work that it takes to, to trigger that stimulus. A lot of coaches just put like 
random workouts on a piece of paper and go, oh yeah, that looks good. And, you know, they don't actually know what they're doing. So coach Davis immediately stuck out to me like that. There were a lot of other coaches who, you know, kind of the same thing, like they're not, you know, stupid or anything like that. But what I really liked was coach Davis's very stoic approach to things. Whatever happened, the world didn't end good, bad, you know, in the middle. Um, he was a very, like it, any question you had, he could get on a whiteboard and tell you exactly, you know, why he's thinking the way he's thinking and stuff like that. And the best thing is that like, he's willing to work with you too. Like if you think you have this system that might work, then he's being willing to be like, you know what, that might make sense. Let's give it a go. Um, a lot of other coaches were just like, you should come here because we're division one and like really didn't give any other reason. And, um, and I think too, uh, I mean, Brockport's pretty close to home not very far. Um, and I didn't want to search for too many schools. Cause I knew if I had like 40 schools on my list, I'd lose my head. So kind of, kind of that idea, if that all makes sense. Yeah, totally. Oh yeah, it does. Uh, something I want to hop right into is the, how your coach talked about, he really knows the ins and outs of everything. He explains it to you. Is that something that trickles down to then every member of the team kind of starts to know like everything about the workouts and everything um and how important is it to know what your coach means when it comes to a workout essentially like what he's trying to target and everything okay yeah so um first of all there's no there's no real secret oh i just like hit my desk there's like no real secrets to any of this like we don't I'd, i'd like to think we don't like really um like gatekeep anything but um coach's philosophy i'd like to think it works for everybody number one because people who come into like to Brockport, whether they're transfer freshmen, um, they all come from different coaching backgrounds, whether or not they've been coached a lot, undercoached, badly coached, really well coached. Um, and all of our mileage is like different. A lot of us are just some people we got up going 80, 90. Some guys like don't go above 20, but it, but we all get better. And um, because he seems to understand a really good element of training that, mileage yeah i mean like okay you want to get better at running you should probably run more yeah but much more important than that is the stimulus that you're providing for certain physiological systems of the body coach understands that really really well so um if we bring in somebody who like their goal is to get their mile down but they've kind of come from the 10k route maybe 5k route coach is very good at understanding of like, okay, this guy's top speed's not very good. We can spend some time doing speed development with him, economy development, things like that. Um, other people, other end of the spectrum, they need to do a lot of threshold, a lot of time on their feet. Um, he doesn't make us run a certain pace every day. Like when it comes to easy, like, dude, I ran like 10 minute pace like a week ago. Don't matter. It's just these things that like, he understands like, okay, the very basic, you should run a lot. You should run hard often. Um, you should run long sometimes you should lift sometimes like the very basic stuff that like doesn't need to get over complicated he's very very good about that stuff it works for everyone too i well you know not it can't work for everybody because you know just things happen even in d3 not everyone is meant to make it to the next level some people are here just to enjoy the experience and to you know maybe they'll never run after college but coach understands too that like we want to create an environment where we're going to look back on this no matter how good you were that you're never going to forget it and that good life lessons come out of this 
Yeah, so when I was looking for colleges, Brockport was on my list. Um, but one thing that um, I was a little nervous about, to be honest, was just the amount of guys on the team. Um, personally, like I didn't think I'd get that individual attention right from the coach, but um, what you're describing doesn't really seem like that. Um, how fun is it to have that many people on the team? I mean, you're never going to run by yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It seems like, I mean, there's so many people you want to run with. So we do have a very, very big roster. And each and every single one of them, you know, couldn't be more thankful to have them on the roster. Um, you know, the way that we, you know, we look at things like a roster size is we look at, you know, whether or not you're talented. The biggest thing that coach and really a whole team wants to know is that like, are you willing to get better? Are you willing to make certain sacrifices? Because that's what a team is. Even at Division Three, there needs to be some degree of professionalism involved that that elevates everybody else. Um, we have about 60-some people, I think 36 guys, a lot of guys. Um, and I think at the end of the day, there's not a single one of us that really doesn't show up. Like, we all show up. There's no one guy that you could point to and go, oh, that guy doesn't put the work in or 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 anything like that. Like, I really like to think we're all bought in. I Sometimes I do wonder how my coach has the energy for all of them. Um, but I also think that he's not the only one, you know, like coaching, if that makes sense. We have a lot of leaders on the team, too, that, you know, say stuff that coach doesn't have to say all the time. And, and I mean, we all buy in, too. You know, everybody is bought into this to this thing that has worked because even, even when I got here as a freshman, like we were not that great of a team. We got, we did get third at Suniacs, um, but we got 13th at regionals and it no, like we were not a good team, but everyone just started buying in and it just made sense that like, we're just going to show up. And there's just these things that like, there's just this standard that we hold ourselves to no matter how many people are in that program. We have the, if we have the energy to do it, um, then we're going to do it, you know? Yeah, um, I think something you touched on that I really am interested in talking about is how different, because you um, made cross-country nationals, and so based on that experience there and then just as an entire experience as a whole, how, like you use the word professional, but how professional, maybe more serious or, or demanding is D3 as a whole than you thought it would be coming, or maybe to the perception that some people have about it? Absolutely. Um I think a lot of people coming out of high school just have that notion that like, if you want to make that next level, then you can't go D3. Um, let me just point this out right now. Again, like I said, you can go D1, but if your coach puts you in a boot in like two months, then like, are you really going to reach the next level? Everything comes down way more to who's your coach? What workouts are you doing? Like what stimulus are you putting on your body? Um, what environment are you choosing to put yourself in? So I think one thing that separates Brockport really well is not necessarily like the work we put in. I mean, okay, we work hard. I don't really think we work that much harder than anybody else. When the But when we leave the track, I'd like to think that we're a little bit different. Um, very rarely do people on this team, you know, stay up very late, I would like to think. I mean, I, I again, there's so many of us, so I can't really know for sure. But what I can tell you about our top group is that we don't, like, we make sacrifices. 
Like I'm my butt's in bed at 10 o'clock just about every single night um, and stuff like that. There's just this new standard that like we hold ourselves to. When I got here two years ago, like when we were done running, you would just sayonara, you're gone until you come back the next day for practice. Now it's like, if you're done with practice, like there's a culminating activity, you're, you're glute bridging, you're doing barefoot drills, you're doing something else. That is a new standard that that's just, it's just there. And a lot of it now, like freshmen come in, they see that. And that's just like, this is what we do now. The thing is, is that a lot of division three programs, um, they don't take it as seriously in that element, because again, a lot of them understand it's like, you know, in high school, when it's like, half the roster is there because mom and dad's making them do it. You know, you can't get everything out of them, especially if they don't want to get everything out of themselves. But here it's so much more about what does the athlete want? What are they willing to buy into? And what are they willing to say no to? That That's the most important thing. Yeah, you talked about just like a shift in culture, basically. Um, who's responsible for that shift? Or was it your coach? Or was it just like a collective effort of like, all right, like, it's time. Like, I want to get better. Um, I could not pin it on one person. And honestly, I think my coach would probably tell you the same thing. This did not happen when I got here. This didn't happen when my teammate John got here. Um, I think really it was quite literally one brick step at a time, man. Like, um, I could tell you, like, from my freshman year to now, it's a complete change. But um, even before my freshman year, a lot of things were starting to happen. We had guys running times that like we never thought someone in Brockport history would ever run. And um, I, I would attribute a lot of this to my coach, but I think my coach would tell you that he's just the guy running the training plans. It's also the athletes. Um, you know, I try my best to be an example. Um, I, I try not to tell myself or like, I don't think I'm the guy responsible for any of this stuff. I'm just the guy who shows up and, you know, I, I, I just run my best. I, I work, I work my best and I, I recover the best I can, but I don't think there's one sole person responsible. I think just more people started buying in. And then before we knew it, it was, it was just what we did. It's what we do. Now you mentioned um, the D1 thing. I think something that, so we're in the process of, and I'm sure, you know, this is only our freshman year. You've probably been through it a bunch of trying to get those new recruits to come to our school, essentially. And uh, when we see and we message them and stuff, we see, oh, it's between you guys and I'm not, I don't want to call out any school. It's not that like they're going to listen, but like uh, it's between you and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, this random D1 random team that D1 everybody hates. That like no one's, that. <laughs> isn't actually going to do anything on a national or even regional level because they're just not that great of a team. And it's, it's just interesting because a lot, you're going to get a lot more, at least in our experience. And like you're kind of saying right now, you're going to get a lot more attention and just individual care, even on a team of like, how many people do you have in your team? Uh, guys and girls, probably 60 ish. Okay. Um, so, you know, even on a team of that size or whatever, you're going to get that individual attention because, you have people around you to work with and everything here in, in a D3 program, but these D1 schools who just kind of are there for the sake of saying, I went D1. It's just kind of rough, and that's what we're trying to do. But um, how are you guys? You know, you kind of touched on already, but uh, your main selling points on, on trying to recruit new people, whether that is, you know, the best of the best recruits or maybe some... Or I think a better question is... I, you know what? I'm scrapping that question. I have a better question. <laughs> the better question is... Um, 
the people who maybe are not the best high school recruits coming in, where's maybe the line you guys draw or like where is the, um, I'm not going to say slowest, but recruits that maybe have a lot of potential to fill that you guys are trying try to go for essentially. Great question. So here's what we tell our recruits and here's kind of what coach Davis told me um, when I was getting recruited. I had touched earlier to you guys about coach is a very smart guy. I, I he he probably wouldn't he probably would just shake it off, but let let me put it this way. Um he is a very understanding dude of every single training concept out there. Literally, what what physiological function needs to be developed and what is the least amount of work we have to do to develop that function? Not the most from the most amount of work, right? It's like, okay, if you if you if you run, you know. If you run a five minute mile and you run 40 miles a week and you spend three months at 50 miles a week, still run a five minute mile. Why, why are you running 50 miles a week? It's his, his concepts go into literally like he can tell you every scientific concept that there is to training. So I think that appeals to a lot of people of just being like, okay, so you run this time and you look like this when you run, or maybe some form deficiency is there. Um, coach is very good at saying like, you know what, this is what we do in training that I think is really going to help you benefit. Um, and, you know, once they come here, they spend that freshman year developing that. And, and you know, really even even by indoor their freshman year and even cross country for some people, like they're they're good to go by then. Um, the training concept, I, I think our training just makes sense. I really do. I don't think it's anything complex, but I think it makes sense. Um, another good thing that I told you about Brockport and all of D3 in general too is that I actually think that D3 correlates more with success in today's world for running than division one does. The reason being is contrast. You don't need, you do not need balance. You need contrast. And what I mean by that is that, okay, when I show up and I practice, like I'm practicing, right? When I'm recovering, like I'm recovering. When I'm not running, like I'm, I'm, I'm playing piano, dude. Like I'm, I'm doing my work and stuff like that, but that well-rounded life, that's not balance. It's contrast because balance suggests that everything cannot be as good because something else is in the way. Like my academic can't be as good because my running's in the way, or my running can't be as good because my academics is in the way. Contrast flips that on its head. And it says that when I run, I run. When I do my schoolwork, I do my schoolwork. Um, that's what I think division three provides better than division one ever would because in, in th the unfortunate double-edged sword of that is that it's totally what you make of it so you can show up to practice but if you choose not to make smart decisions when you leave practice well i mean don't go asking why you're not getting better but if you actively surround yourself with the right people put yourself in the right um in the right like lifestyle position I think D3 will get you farther than D1 ever would. And I'm pretty, pretty obvious, I think, in terms of like how things have turned out for a lot of people. Yeah, I never heard it described. I was going to say the same but thing. Like, yeah. It makes total sense. And I guess I'm kind of doing that without even thinking of it like that way. Because like outside of running, like I don't really want to think about it. Like I'm school, I'm hanging out with my friends, but in running, like I'm running, like I'm 100%. 
focused on that. Besides the fact that we made a podcast about it. But yeah, that's, we that's did. That's not the point. But well, that's just a side gig. Think about it this way. I had a coach. Um, so when I was a junior, going into my senior year, I got to stay at a camp in Colorado and training under Coach Trent Sanderson at Team Prep USA. He had this great concept of having an off switch. Literally, like the, there, there are people that I've known uh, that I got to train with. Like I've, I've got to train with like just really fast people. Um, and, and they literally like when they're not running, like they're, they're skiing, they're, they're in like, like they ski all day. Like there are people who just have these other things that is literally an off switch. If the on switch is always on, it's never on, never. And I think that's such an important thing to have that off switch, but you got to find the thing, like you said, skiing and stuff like that. You got to find the things to fill your off switch with. When I got here originally, um, I needed, there were some certain things that I just hadn't found here yet to be that off switch like I had at home. And then I started finding them over time. You know, freshman year, you just got to get settled. But once I once I found them, you know, it just, it's a, it's a really good thing to have um, that off switch. So that's a, dang, that's a really good way to describe it. I've never heard the the word contrast used though. Yeah. And I see what you mean with the D1 stuff because D1, that's just your, once you go D1, that's your lifestyle. That's, you have to have everything be about it. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, moving on, obviously, like we mentioned a little bit ago, um, you made nationals in cross country. Um, was that your goal from the start of summer? Um, and then did that just fuel your summer training? Like, was that all you're thinking about? Um, or like, were you kind of obsessive with that goal or were you just like day by day? Um, well, when, um, after I ran, oh my God, if I my teammates watch, this, this is going to be so funny. Uh, so after Widener, um, we, we traveled to Widener and I probably ran the most embarrassing race of my life from the gun. I just couldn't do it. Um, I took that whole, I took like 20 days off much needed. Um, didn't want to think a thing about running when I started running again. And trust me, I did not want to start running again, but I did. Um, I didn't have nationals in mind. Like I, in the back of my head, I was like, you know what? I have the talent to make it happen. Um, but in the moment, all I could think about was if I execute every single day, the best that I possibly can, I will have executed the perfect training plan. When, um, when I had arrived in Arizona this summer and every summer I trained for a month in Arizona in July, I just so like, um, I arrived there and all I thought about was me against me, not anybody else anymore, because I thought that if I had done it right, the people that I had competed with last year, I wasn't going to be competing with them this year if I did it right. So I had two things in my head. Number one was quiet the noise. I don't, I haven't worn a watch since June. Best choice I ever made. Um, so quiet the noise was, I'm not thinking about this stupid heart rate data that isn't even accurate in the first place, by the way. I'm not thinking about this pace data that in the grand scheme doesn't mean much, especially when you're at elevation. I'm not thinking about what this guy did, this training session, what splits, whatever. I haven't tracked a split in forever. Um, I did one time on a long run to make sure that I was like on like on time for something. Um, but all I thought about quiet the noise and me against me, not anybody else. Even even when we came back and did a team trial, like, yeah, I know my teammates are fit, but this is not me against them. It's against myself. Um and so 
even at regionals, all I thought was like me against me. And, you know, it ended up in, you know, I ended up making it, but, um, I thought last year I missed it. I was the second guy out and my teammate was the first one out. And I think it's because, um, that's all we were thinking about. We were thinking about bringing the team to nationals, but like, we just wanted to go so bad that we weren't thinking about our race, you know? Um, I I completely agree with the sentiment. I mean, I could never um stop posting on Strava myself, but um <laughs> that's impressive. That, that's that's honestly an impressive thing. But um, not to like, just seriously, how would you even know how far, how many miles you were going when you don't run with a watch, especially if you're just on your own or something? Yeah. So um, I um a lot of my trainings by minutes. at least like the easy run days. Um, I've, I've also done like the lesser of, so like if I run 44, four miles or 30 minutes, whichever one I hit first, I'm good there. Uh, the main thing that I did was like, I'd have a fanny pack. I put my phone in it. And like, if I had to run for an hour, I'd say, Hey Siri, set a timer for 30 minutes. And I just run. Then when the timer is up, I just turn around and go back. I don't even set another timer. I just try to hold the same pace and 30 assume. minutes starting Oh, now. Siri just started at 30 minutes. <laughs> Um, anyways, uh, but that's, that's mainly what I do when it came to workouts. If I was on a track, like I'd know how far I was running. Um, sometimes I'd map out a route or I'd like write the route down on my hand to like turn on a road and I just like do the run there. And as long as I knew what a distance or time was like, I was, I was good there. It took a minute to get used to, but it felt really liberating to just be like, this is kind of cool. Like it felt different, but it was nice. Yeah, so you mentioned that you go to Arizona for a month every summer. Um, do you bring teammates and um, who goes with you? How does that all work? Um, because we talked about We did we going. did want to do an elevation trip, Yeah. but ultimately what stopped us from it was the financial reason for it. <laughs> Um <laughs> yeah. So um kinda talk about that, yeah. yeah, I wish I could take my teammates with me. Trust me, I really do. Um, I'm, I, I just want to mention like, This is one of those elements where I'm very lucky. Like I'm very blessed to have this um, connection. Um, a high school teammate of mine, um, when we both graduated, um, him and his parents, they moved to Arizona. They're like um, retired army and they do like all these ultra marathons and like these crazy bike races that like I could never even do. Um, they have like this really nice weight room in their garage and they live at about 5,000 feet, um, about 15 miles north of the border of Mexico. I am very blessed. to have those people be willing to let me stay with them um and this summer i met another group of people while i was staying in arizona um who live in flagstaff this summer so i'm going to be staying with them this summer in flagstaff for a month um but i'm like i cannot express how blessed i am to have that because it is a pretty big financial um burden but that's something that i'm willing to do i have to work a lot to do it but it's worth it to me um it's it, it, bringing someone else with me as much as i'd love to again it's just uh It's it's kind of weird when you bring someone else into someone's home that they don't even know. So it's kind of it's weird. Um, it it I've gone to elevation for training three times. Um, Colorado in two thousand twenty, Arizona the past two years. Um, and every single time it's just been incredible. I've absolutely loved it. Yeah, we really want to go. Oh, I th I'm pretty sure. I'm sure we will at some point, because um, we have big we have big aspirations and team goals at some point down the line, especially for just our recruiting class of our five freshmen that we have. Um, so I'm sure I'm sure we'll go. Uh, it just looks like so much fun, like you said. I mean, you say it is so. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Yeah, um, 
some people say though that altitude is like oh it's only good for like one month since you know once you come back down like what do you believe like do you still think your improvements stay with you for a while okay so let's break it down this way when you go to elevation you do not produce more red blood cells because there's less oxygen there's oxygen in there the the uh, the air pressure is reduced um and the reason that that's a significant difference is because that literally is number one forcing you to actually breathe harder to get air into you and again it is stimulating um the the release of hormone epo to to um or something like that to give you more red blood cells that adaptation happens it takes about it depends what elevation you go to. Um, 5,000 feet is not the most. Um, anything above 8,000 feet, you're not really getting any more benefit out of it. Um, but you get the you know the higher red blood cell count. When you return to sea level, this is very important. Um, technically, after a while, eventually you will recycle those red blood cells if you don't need them anymore and you will have reduced red blood cell count. But uh, the higher red blood cell count is not necessarily just improved VO2 max. It's improved recovery. It's improved blood volume, which means your ability to train and have higher stimulus in your workouts, it, that, that that capacity goes up. So when you come back to sea level, as long as you're doing continued workouts in a good rhythm, your, your volume's good, stuff like that, you're triggering new stimulus, new adaptation that you're that, that your, you know, your muscles, your, your heart, all of that can handle. When you come back to sea level, you need to provide new stimulus, a new progressive overload to your training, whether that be the duration of your run, how often you run, how hard you run, whatever you do, as long as that is increased, then you can maintain fitness gains throughout. I've been able to do that pretty well. Um, this fall was a little weird. I ran into, a, I, I ran into kind of a goofy little injury. So my like middle of the fall was a little weird, but, um, I, you know, came back pretty well by the time November rolled around. Um, but I would like, I, I'd say from experience, um, as long as you can maintain a rhythm of training, when you come back to sea level, you can, you can keep those gains, I would say. So you mentioned how your coach likes to target specific weaknesses. Is weaknesses a good word for that? You'd say? Yeah. 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 Um, why not? Okay. Um, likes to target that, whatever it is. What was it for you that when you went in or even now, uh, Tar was targeted for you and what did you need to work on? Was it more of a aerobic base or was it more foot speed type based or, or what is it? Um, so when, when I got to college with my coach, I met with him in his office and the, the first thing we wanted to do was we wanted to question every single notion we had about running every single one even the ones that we think like why would you ever second guess that we would we did it anyway every training thought that you have must be held to scrutiny in order to get better even if it's right prove it let's let's find out why it's right and um we took that approach since the end of my freshman year um i kept getting these little nagging pains all the time you know with my training um I was, I was decent. I was, you know, I was like pretty good for a freshman. I thought, um, I didn't have like this serious weakness that was like, wow, you're really not good. It was probably like my ability to run the mile or just like that kind of that end of the spectrum. Um, when freshman year ended, we tried instead of a seven day cycle, we tried a 10 day cycle of training and we ran it all by minutes. So instead of hitting like, you know, 60 miles a week, we're hitting 600 to 700 minutes every 10 days. 
Um, you know, it, that a lot of that volume depended on how fast you ran your easy runs. We did that. Um, and then like, you know, we got, we got better. And then it gave, we like came into this process now of like last track, what went wrong. It was probably that we stayed too far away from threshold training because, and, and that like, that kind of rejogged my memory this fall of like, maybe this all comes down to our ability to shuttle lactic acid. Yeah. You need to run fast and, you know, you probably have a high VO2 max, stuff like that. But if you cannot shuttle lactic acid, then your chances are not very good. That's why um, a lot of this higher volume of threshold training made a lot more sense. So this winter, and and I don't want to keep any secrets. Like, I don't really care what people know what I'm doing with my training. We don't, I, I'd like to think we don't steal anything from anyone. And like, we don't really care. Um, We do our own thing. But like a lot of my training this semester has been um, a free flowing training cycle. It's not, I don't train weekly mileage. I don't train minutes per 10 days anymore. It's literally all free flowing where depending on the prior session you had, what's the timeline of super compensation for that? Like when you run yourself into the ground, how long does it take to come back and have a higher tissue capacity for, for, for new stimulus to occur? So if I do a, a like, you know, let's say I do five by a mile at a threshold effort with a minute rest. That super compensation window, if you do it right, if you recover well, is about 24 hours. So if I, I threshold the next day, I might run easy a little bit. Then the next day, let's say I do like sprints, like really fast speed development, working on my top speed. That 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 damage to the tissue is very high and it's very taxing in your central nervous system. So a workout like that might take 72 hours, 60 hours to come back from entirely. A race, by the way, is like 72 hours, like three days. So stuff like that, like the next hard session, I'm not touching until I'm fully in that super compensation window. And again, a lot of that depends on your recovery and stuff like that. Like even a race, like I didn't race yesterday, but if I did, I'm not long running till Tuesday because a race is so taxing on the body. We don't even realize it because usually the next day in the long run, we feel really good. But I promise you that your brain is very, very, very run down and fatigued. We don't all do that. Like you could probably run a long run, like you'd be fine as long as you run it slow. Um, but personally for me, I found that it works for me to wait until Tuesday. There's no like, you need to finish 60.00 miles by 1159.99 on Sunday night. Something like speed development, let's say, like where you're doing very high velocity sprints, but you're not running for very long. That's something that takes 72 hours to come back from. So I might not, I might run easy the next two days and then maybe follow up with another workout or even a race the following, like on that maybe 72 hours. It doesn't gotta be perfect, but just like, needs to be enough time so that way your body's capacity to perform this stimulus is not impacted. That doesn't that doesn't have a, a set structured timeline to it. There shouldn't like who said seven days was the perfect time to 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 get all this stimulus done or 10 days. All we know based on the science is that a long run should be done probably every seven to 14 days. That's one system that you should probably always keep in touch with. So every seven to 14 days, we try to do two to three sessions in a long run. However long that takes, it depends on what the session we're doing and what timeline we're in. So um, my most recent cycle is 13 days long. The one before that was, I think, eight. My next one for BU is just going to be seven. The, these, things, these things don't require everything to be structured. Now, you might ask how I track volume. And um, the way I go about that is I basically determined a tier list of volume. So like tier one to seven. And those tiers are based on what's kind of the average easy day look like for someone maybe running, 
if you're running a 60 mile week, your average easy run, let's say it's maybe eight miles, give or take, as long as that's keep being kept in touch with on your days that you're trying to come back, like you've run maybe eight miles slow or an hour, doesn't matter. It's just like, okay, we did the, the main goal of the easy run time on feet, right? That's what we're actually trying to achieve. Whatever mileage goal I hit, like I, I, again, I don't track my mileage either, but it's, it's so much more about what stimulus are we trying to hit? Um, what, and like how, again, what's the least amount of work we need to do that? On my workout, like speed dev days, I, I accumulate like maybe two, three miles, right? And then like the next day I might run like nine or 10 or like a little over an hour. I might run like nine minute pace. I might run seven minute pace. Depends on how I feel, but it's so much more about like, what's, what's the purpose behind every single thing we're doing and, 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 um, stuff like that. And the same thing goes for like a race. Like I, if I race on a Saturday, I'm not long running till Tuesday or doing another session till Tuesday, because that, that neural fatigue in your central nervous system, that stuff, it, it, when you race, like mentally, physically, it's not your muscles, like your muscles, you just run a mile or two or three K like, okay. But your brain needs time to come back from that. That's something that we don't understand enough about yet. And I think more research will come out about that your performance has way less to do with your muscles and way more to do with your central nervous system. That's the governing body of all the information that goes to muscles to contract, to relax, um, you, you, you know, your heart to pump blood like that. That's the command center. If that's fatigued, you're not running good, you know, for your next workout. And there's no new stimulus then. So you can't improve something like that. That makes sense. That's something like we worked on, like my coach and I to like the biggest weakness. Um, we, we don't all do that. Like I, that's something that I've worked on with my coach. Coach is very good about being like, you know, whatever works for you. We do seven day cycles. Some people do 10 day cycles. It's really all over the place, but at the end of the day, it still follows his rules of like, you know, we should probably run more. Um, we should work out off, uh, like not all every day, but you know, here and there, we should long run, you know, stuff like that. It's not complex. It's just stuff that requires more thought, I guess that, that complex, isn't it? Well, that's all very interesting stuff. Um, there's a lot to break down there, but I think my biggest question coming out of that is you talk a lot about recovery and how much time you need after that. Does that mean, are you guys not doing double thresholds or what's your stance on double thresholds really is my question. Great question. So like I had said before, a lot of this comes down to your ability to shuttle lactate. In my first few months of my new training block, I've rarely touched VO2 max. I haven't touched, I, I just touched mile pace actually the other day for the first time, but I've been basically doing threshold and speed development, both on ends of the spectrum, hoping to work my way into specific race stuff near outdoor. But double threshold, while we're on the topic, it's, it's weird because you're able to sustain more threshold volume because the recovery window for it is not something like uh, VO2 max because you get like a hydrogen ion buildup in your cells that that causes um, more recovery window needed. That's why you shouldn't overrun your, your threshold runs, by the way, because the recovery window takes so much longer, even if you don't think it does. Um, double threshold, first of all, if you're going to take like two days after a workout to prepare for it and then another two days after before the next workout, just do a threshold one day, take another day and then do another threshold. Double threshold, first of all, is not for everybody. Double threshold is a, it, you're accumulating 15 miles plus in one day. That, that's one thing to understand. Um, it's a way to accumulate, again, it, it's just more, more time shuttling lactate 
Um, and 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 it, it it shouldn't be super hard. Like the morning session probably should be something longer, longer bouts like miles, 2K. You can even do two by 3K, two by 5K if you really are experienced enough to do it. And then the afternoon, you know, some like shorter reps, stuff like that. Um, it makes sense. The science backs it up. Um, I really do agree with it. I've done four double thresholds or three, four, four I think. I, I don't remember how many I've done right now. Um, I've responded to them well. Um, a good introductory way to do it actually might be to do your first double threshold session in the afternoon. Then eat dinner, go to sleep, wake up the next morning, and then do your next threshold session. The thing is, is that if you're looking for a little bit more of a recovery window and like eight hours of sleep in between that, that's a good way to like introduce to it. Um, as I said before, again, the science, it all makes sense. If, if we want to spend time pushing back the speed beyond which lactic acid exponentially accumulates in the body, spending time at that physiological function is the answer to that. If you double threshold, you can spend a lot of time doing it. But then again, if you, if you get rid of other training stimulus just to make it happen one day out of like three weeks, then it's like you probably are better off just taking that volume and maybe spreading it out more, I guess. Um, I, it, it, again, like I said, if you run 20 miles a week, you probably shouldn't double threshold. Um, it's it's a, I don't know, it, it's just a better way of going more time shuttling lactate, if, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Talking about like taxing your nervous system, do you lift at all? Yeah. Um, so here's the main thing that we do is that we lift in line with our days of quality. Um, I've lifted on long run days. By the way, I, I'm a big fan of lifting after. I don't really know why people. Some programs lift before they run. Can you believe that? It's really. Yeah, I weird. hate that. I really. I've done it. I've done don't it like do once. That. I've done it <laughs> once before a workout. I got through the workout, but I really hated it. Pretty I didn't hard, like it. Isn't it. Yeah. So here's the thing with that. If you are doing again something like speed development or really really fast sprinting that's taxing on the nervous system. When you go lift, you probably should not be lifting for speed, velocity, or power because, or even training plyometrics because your central nervous system needs to be primed and able to, to um, induce that, that new stimulus. Um, it really depends on what you're doing. You, if you want to lift power, which every athlete should try to in some way or another lift for power or velocity to, um, you know, to be a little bit more poppy and athletic. Um, like if you do threshold, something that's not going to kill your nervous system, that's a good time to go into the weight room and, you know, do something a little quicker, um, uppers or lowers. It, it doesn't really matter. If you, if you do something like speed development, economy, or like mile effort, people call it speed endurance. It's not speed endurance, it's economy. But when you go into the weight room, um, maybe reps that are more eccentric, slower movement, things that put the muscle through a range of motion and, and stimulate muscle hypertrophy for adaptation. But that, um, it really depends on the session you did. If you long run, I'm a big fan of long running in the morning and then lifting that night because my legs are really like tired. So I like to get some food in me and like relax even a little bit. But um, yes, we usually this whole program, we lift probably two, three times a week, give or take. Uh, it's probably similar for us. We only do two times a week. A couple of people, like more of the speed people do like three times a week here, um, which makes sense. Yeah. So, um shoot uh, oh so you mentioned bu um i assume you're going to valentine this uh weekend yeah um, i'm gonna be running the, running the mile gotcha we just had our first set we went to the terrier classic i it's been a week now 
I yeah. haven't taken my wristband off. <laughs> um, I still, I still, have, I, it was probably the best meet of my, that I've ever had. Uh, definitely collegiately, but it doesn't matter. I've run like three meets. Um, I loved it. I assume you yeah, loved it, it too. Awesome. It was one of the best experiences in the sport ever we've had. Uh, I assume you've been there a bunch of times. What's your opinion on BU? Just the facility before you even get into the racing. Um, yeah, so I've been there two times. Um, my freshman year, I ran the 3K there, and I ran a 38, which was my PR. Um, then last year, went ran a 5K, and I ran my PR. Um, let me, for those who have not been, like, in, or more, for those who have been, like, if you know, like, you know, that track is different. And I can tell you why it's different. The, the, the foundations that support the track, they're not made of steel, like maybe the Armory or Ocean Breeze. They're made of wood. So every time you make that impact with the ground, what happens is that it's just more reactive. It's literally like having another carbon plate underneath your, your carbon plated spike if you have one. Um, and so that that's, I mean, Boston, man, it's fast. It's almost like, I almost don't like it how fast it is. Because if you look at the top division one times right now on Tifers, um, in the women's 5K, out of the top 30, pretty sure like 29 of them are from BU, which is a crazy stat. Um, it's the same thing, like, and, and you know, that, that track has more effect, the more laps you run. So not a lot of people are nationally ranked in the 400 running a time at BU. A lot of people are in the five or the three in the mile. Um, I love the experience of going. There is nothing like you leave that facility feeling ready to like run a 350 mile. Like yeah, you leave there and you go, I just want to be like, I just, I just want to be better. Like, um, it's very humbling because it's like, yeah, I ran pretty good today, but like I'm a drop in an ocean. I just watched 50 dudes break four, like something like that. It's it's really humbling. It's awesome. I'll never for I'll never forget these experiences, and I'm so looking forward to going back. But I also I'm not gonna lie, um, I don't like BU for one reason, and it's that every single year I run freaking awesome there, <laughs> and then I can't do it again. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is that is that thing on my end? Probably because other people have you know, run better. Um, great example of that would probably be your teammate JT because he's a freaking dog. Um, now, of the 52 guys that broke four at Boston, I'm pretty sure 40 of them didn't break four again that season. I just want, I, I think we should probably be more aware of like, and I'm willing to say this, like, because I have my PR, like I, I have my PR 5K there and I can tell you that like, I don't think it's that legit. Like it is, like you ran the time, yeah. But um Part of me in my head goes like, okay, there's going to be another problem if I run really well and then I can't do it again. It's like, it, it's kind of that 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 um thing that does sit in the back of my head. I'll never forget the experience and I love going every year and it's cool to run fast. Um, that's probably something that I got to work on though, like not peaking at BU. So hopefully we don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Kind of nice. <laughs> yeah, well, but I also think it's because everyone there is like prime for that race. Like they hear the hype. It's like, oh my God, it's BU. The track's a trampoline. Like I'm ready to run fast. And then everybody runs fast. And then they're like, oh, well, next weekend I'm running on a flat track. Like and they don't go into it with the same yeah. intensity. Yeah. When I was getting recruited, um, like by multiple schools, every single one of them, like I had no idea what Boston was, but they were just like, oh, we're gonna take you to Boston. You're gonna run fast. So like, I feel like everyone going in is just like. I guess I'm going to run fast today. And, then they, and they do. So you're exactly right. I, I think that's totally a notion that everybody has. I was not expecting. I just, I probably should have looked at it beforehand. My conversion to the flat track to be that drastic. 
um i was i was ecstatic uh went in there i ran my mile pb there it's 434 and then i feel like to people who don't know track i'll just say oh i ran a 434 mile but to people who do i'm like yeah i'm at a 434 at bu like like you know like i have to i, have to, I gotta preface that because i was not expecting it to convert down to 438 four seconds that's crazy that's wild it's, like it's a big conversion yes yeah. so do you want to hop into some rapid fire questions yeah I'm, yeah I'm good with that i think we've covered a lot of a lot yeah. of training bases here i love it it's definitely our most training focused episode yeah yet which i like because that is the title of the podcast so that is good yeah, so at the end of every episode, we just kind of ask, like, a bunch of rapid-fire questions, like, some running-related, some not. Um, do you want to ask the first one? No, I think you should start off with your famous oh one. My. Okay, so I have a famous one. Um, what's the largest animal you can beat in a fight? Dude, I'm, I, I, that's a good one. Maybe, <laughs> the, maybe the right breed of dog, I could probably take him down. They, okay. I mean, if they're, if they're big enough, you know, I, I'm not really sure. <laughs> no, it's, it's a, it's a respectable answer. We don't yeah. get certain respectable answers on yeah. the show sometimes. Um, uh, next one is split shorts or half tights. Oh, great one. Uh, <laughs> in the summer half tights, because I, 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 um, well, from a scientific approach, probably half tights because they do scientifically promote blood flow, but if you want to feel a little more free and loose and stuff like that, um, split shorts are the way to go. I don't really have an answer. I have both of them. Um, I probably lean split shorts. Okay. Um, when wearing full tights, are you shorts on too or no shorts? I used to be shorts on. I am now no shorts. Good. We've noticed that that's a thing <laughs> over time you develop. I'm maybe not you. I I I'm still a shorts on guy for that. But all the seniors on our team are no shorts, and all the freshmen are kind of moving in that direction. I feel weird. I don't know. I just feel weird being that exposed. <laughs> no, so. I feel you. I feel you. Um, favorite uh, spike you've ever worn? Uh, the on cloud spike ten thousand. I've heard a lot Easy. of good things about that. I've worn. I, I'll give you my arsenal. I've worn the victories. I've worn dragonflies. I've worn um, both Adidas middle distance and long distance spikes, um, and the on. 10,000 it's on not close not close nice it just seems so expensive though not that nikes aren't but i don't know on seems like yeah how much are they they're very hard to come by yeah especially like everyone wants one mm -hmm. um who is your favorite pro runner kipchoge easily nice um do you listen to music before you race? And if so, what's a go-to pre-race song? I used to, and now I don't. Um, I've really thought about ways to rest the brain and nervous system before run. And um, music in, I mean, music does use up dopamine and serotonin receptors in the brain. Not that you shouldn't listen to music ever. Like, I, I listen to <laughs> yeah. But before, before race, I really do try to keep my mind calm. I, I try to talk with my teammates, just goof around. I do not listen to music before I run. Gotcha. I like I like doing the goof around. I do listen to music as well, like maybe on the bus ride. But something something that I've discovered is the best way for me to lock in is actually kind of not locking in. It's just goofing around and having fun before and like on the warm up and everything, just chatting it up. That's really helped yeah. me. Um, when you are listening to music, what kind of music do you like? Uh, I'm really weird. So um, my top artist has been Sleeping At Last. I'm sure some people have heard of. 
sleeping at last but um very very calming music the lyrics are an unreal like if you're looking for uh <laughs> i'm not gonna lie man sleeping at last is like my therapy um i'm a big fan of alfonso pudedo he's a um, european pianist um i listen to i like some travis scott i, I do like some travis scott to kind of get me going uh john zavall he's a big fan of little Nas x i also like little Nas x it's pretty good and then uh uh that's kind of it's kind of the three big, oh glee cast the glee cast man like i don't even care about the original like the glee cast is fire i love the glee cast that's a that's a great assortment honestly um yeah travis scott and then european piano music you don't hear that too often. <laughs> i love it um uh how about best pixar movie one that gets my emotions going is up probably it's a great answer now great the reason answer. i say that though is because up is a great it, it's got a lot of themes in it um but the biggest one is that like the guy didn't need all the things in his house to be happy all he wanted was just like it, it's more of a, a this lesson this idea that like you don't need a million things in order to be happy if that makes sense i really like it it's a great movie me too i'm an inside out guy because that thing that oh. movie freaking plays with my emotions um i'm a i'm a cars guy Cars great. I, my dad and I grew up watching Cars. Love, yeah. I, oh, I love Cars. Every single one of them. They're great. Even Cars too. Oh yeah. yeah. I, really? I okay. Okay. I'm not the biggest Cars two guy. Um. All right. This is the last one. I ask this on every single one. Get some heated responses. Does Taylor Swift deserve the hype? And I don't, I'm not even asking for the football purposes. That's a new thing since we, like, I don't care about, I really, that's my hot take. I don't care that she's involved in the NFL. People get way too mad about that. But um, does she deserve the praise as just a flat musician? Dude, if you make music and everyone listens to it, like, you've earned that. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I, I personally do not listen to much Taylor Swift. I know a lot of people who are, like, they would vote for her if she ran for president. I actually, you know what? There are some Taylor Swift songs that I'm like, all right, this is pretty good. So, um, you know, personally, I, yeah. No, I think Taylor Swift, does she deserve the hype? Sure. Why not? All right. Perfect. All righty. Well, thank you very much uh, for coming on. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you. And good luck to you guys on your season. I'll be I usually am pretty good at following people's results and how they do. I hope you guys really, really do well and and uh, and stuff like that. Please keep running, by the way, and keep doing this podcast. <laughs> yeah, we'll try. <laughs> Definitely we will. Unfortunately, <laughs> Noah Noah almost died uh, this week. He, he got really sick. No, sorry, that's a weird thing to say. He... <laughs> <laughs> I survived. Um, I got really sick. Might have been in the hospital, but I'm back. Um, so if, if I sound weird, that's why. Um, right, don't worry about it. <laughs> But, but the goal is to to keep this going. But for I as ran. Long as possible. But I ran three miles today. Yeah. So, so I did it. He's on his way back. That's good. He's on his way back. Yeah. Our big goal. We would love to. Uh, you guys are hosting Suniacs, right? I believe we are the last ever Suniacs for us. So. Oh yeah. shoot! I forgot about that. Yeah. Um. So our goal. Uh, our goal is to uh, join. I I uh, I'm trying to think here. Uh. The. Uh. Honestly, us leaving the Cineac, man, I, I, I personally, from a money standpoint, I guess it makes more sense. It doesn't really change much. No offense to the Empire 8, uh, but uh, I don't know. Stuff doesn't really change for us. I guess it's going to be between you guys and probably like Cortland and uh, yeah, uh, for the Cineac title. So that'll be, that'll be an interesting one. But our goal is to do the best, do our best to, that we can to try to 
try to make our way to that SUNYAC meet. It's going to be rough. Um, going to have to run fast. But, hey, we're only freshmen. We're going to try. We're going to try. We'll try. We'll try. Yes. But, Keep doing, um, doing that. Uh, really, that's all we got. So thanks so much for, for being here. And uh, that's going to do it, really. So I appreciate you guys having me. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, uh, we'll definitely keep keep in touch and um, uh, best of luck to yeah, definitely best your of luck. season. Um, Thank you. And all that. Uh, run fast at BU and then don't get in your head about it afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so. it's probably a good way to go about it. Thank you guys. Yeah. <laughs> so that's going to do it. Uh, we'll see anyone who ended up watching this far. Thank you. Uh, but yeah, that's going to do it. So see ya and stay tuned next week for Chris Shimkus.